This is Gareth Southgate, and this is the Three Lions Podcast. Bonjour, ça va? Je m'appelle Russell Osborne. And that is about the extent of my French. Hello and welcome to episode 55 of the Three Lions podcast. My name is Russell Osborne. So the Nations League has come and gone. I'm back from Portugal in one piece. Given my body a super bock detox. Thanks for all the comments on the episodes that I put out whilst over there. It was a bit of a challenge at times. Wi-Fi connections in a remote villa. Airport announcements in the background. Whilst we chewed the fat over that Switzerland game. But all totally worth it. Of course, the football continues. The FIFA Women's World Cup over in France is well underway. And don't forget that World Cup episode where I spoke with Jill Coulthard, Mary Phillip and Claire Rafferty is still available. And I'm pleased to say has been really well received. So thank you for that. Please do tell your friends if they've not heard it yet. It's ideal listening if you are travelling over to France, maybe on the ferry or the Eurostar, or maybe even flying. England's Young Lions have also been in action. We'll touch base on that later in the episode. Now, as I say, the Lionesses have been in action, and coming up on this episode, we'll be talking with some who have been out in France experiencing the event. The first game was against the old enemy, Scotland, down in Nice scene of England's humbling at the hands of Iceland. The girls, though, came away with a 2-1 victory. This is the first time we've ever won our opening game since 1995. Nikita Paris with a VAR-awarded penalty and an Ellen White second-half goal. And this was watched on the BBC by an estimated 6.1 million at its peak. An amazing record. Argentina were up next in Le Havre. They'd already caused a stir by taking a point from Japan, who were the previous winners in 2011, and finished runners-up last time round. Phil Neville made four changes to the team and came away with a 1-0 win, thanks to a Jody Taylor strike. Now This result meant that we'd already be through to the round of 16, with a game to spare. That game against Japan, a team who we beat 3-0 in March in the She Believes Cup. It's far from a dead rubber. Win the group. The round of 16 opposition could be a lot easier. Come second, could be a different matter. So Japan came into the game off the back of a 2-1 win over Scotland. This, on paper, would be the hardest of the three group games. Back to Nice. Tony Duggan, after missing the first two games as a starter. Karen Bardsley is back between the sticks. Nikita Paris was on the bench. Ellen White, after missing the Argentina game, scored twice in a 2-0 win, adding to her goal against Scotland. But at times, it really was against the run of play. Japan showing the potential that they have. And it means that the girls go back up north as Group D winners, this time to Valenciennes on Sunday the 23rd of June for the round of 16 match against Cameroon. Now, as I mentioned on Twitter... The girls have only ever played two African nations before. South Africa twice and Nigeria three times. 
as the South Africa games were both in Cyprus Cup matches, Nigeria, two friendlies, and one game in the 1995 World Cup. These can be seen on the website that I previously mentioned before. I mentioned it on the World Cup episode. I've been putting together a database of England women's results dating back to 1972 and beyond with the help of Bert Dale. It is a work in progress, but many of the results and lineups can be found at englandlionesses.com. And these include the latest World Cup games. Now, I'm sure you've seen, heard some of the negative press or social media that the Women's World Cup has been receiving. In my opinion, very unwarranted, unnecessary. If it's not your thing, fine, don't watch it. But I do find it strange to hear people going out of their way to berate it. The Lionesses have had to go through a qualification process just like the men. This takes place throughout the year, where generally no negativity is heard. And all of a sudden, a showpiece occasion comes round where these women have fought tooth and nail to get to the finals. And many feel the need to voice some very 1970s opinions. Some even having a dig at the goalkeepers. Sure, in the past, this position has come under under a lot of scrutiny. But having watched both the Argentine keeper keep England at bay and the Chile keeper pulling off some fantastic saves against the Americans that really would warrant replays on Match of the Day. Just shows these views are properly out of date. And just one other thing. It's been great to hear the national anthem sung with no additional lyrics. Anyway, rant's over. Let's let the football do the talking. And indeed, let's talk to some that have been in France and seen it firsthand. I'd like to welcome to the Three Lions podcast, Lauren Grusty. Hello there. Hi. You are working for the FA and part of the England Supporters Organisation, I believe. Yes, I work for the England Supporters Club. Um, I've been working on the Travel Club now for nearly four years, but this is the first time, I thought with the last six months, that I've picked up work for the Lionesses Supporters Club, which is the new membership we've sort of launched alongside the sort of other two existing membership schemes we've got at the FA. I see. So you said first time for the the women. What's that involved? Um, so currently at the moment, we're just working on um, basically trying to increase our, our sign up similar to what we do for England Supporters Club. Um, so we're working sort of with the uh, England women's team um, running exclusive competitions similar to what we do with the men's like behind the scenes access attending open training that sort of thing but also with the women's world cup we're also similar to what we did for for russia last year and the euros we're now uh, running our own ticketing for the for the tournament and also hosting some fan hubs out in in each city that england are playing in i see so well obviously we are we're speaking shortly after england have finished their group stage campaign and they're heading on to the round of 16 you've been out in france then you've been to all three venues, is that right? Yep. Yeah, uh, so we've been to Nice uh, for Scotland, La Havre for the Argentina game, and then we were back to Nice at the weekend for the Japan game as well. So lots of travelling around. Uh, yeah, um, I've got no idea what day of the week it is at the moment. So. <laughs> um, and then we're back off to Valencia tomorrow for the next game on Sunday, which is against Cameroon for the round of 16. 
Well, just to sort of put this into context, you say you, you don't know what day it is. You're you're actually back in London at the moment, so you're going yeah. backwards, but backwards to France or forwards to England, backwards to England, forwards to France, however you may put it. So, yeah, thoroughly yeah. understandable that your head <laughs> does really yeah. know where it is. What what's it been like out in France? It's been a really really good experience. Um, it's very different to what I saw when we were last out in France for Euro 2016. There's obviously not uh, the same sort of uh, footfall as what we saw then, but it's been a completely different sort of crowd to what we're used to. Uh, there's a lot of fans that we've been meeting that have sort of been unfamiliar with um, the process of, you know, buying tournament tickets and attending tournament games. So it's kind of been quite interesting and quite opening and sort of having to educate people on what the process is, what they need to do, how to get to the stadium, that sort of thing kind of taken it into taken into granted the sort of level of expertise travel club members have and having to deal with people that are completely inexperienced of, of going to tournaments and away games. So is it sort of something that you may have to or rethink things how how you've done them or or is it giving you an idea of how you can do things going forward? Um, I wouldn't say we need to rethink anything, but it's definitely given us like food for thought for what we need to do going forward to try and build the women's game and also increase like our membership numbers. Uh, what we need to do in terms of like uh, emails and sort of like video content to to sort of get our fans up to date and on the sort of same level of, of what they need to do as our travel club members do yes. as well have at the moment. Mm. What was Nice like? Uh, very hot. Was it? Um, but we, yeah, our first fan hub was um, along the promenade. So it was a perfect location. That was the, the day of the, the Scotland game. The, the guy that owns the venue on the day said it hadn't been that busy since Euro 2016. Um, and the bar was filled with, with England fans. We had a lot of Scotland fans as well. So it was a really good atmosphere, um, really good crowd of people. Like there was absolutely no trouble at all, you know, out in the streets or beforehand. Um, but it was really, really good to speak, see such like a variety, variety of fans. Had a few travel member, travel club members popping in. Um, but then there's also sort of lots of families, groups of girls. We even had a stag do come in as well. So it was a really good atmosphere. Oh, great. Sounds sounds a really, really nice atmosphere, as you say. Then you went, you headed north up to La Havre was that for the Argentina game. Yeah, that's right. Um, it was completely different to Nice. La Havre's um, quite a strange place because there just didn't seem to be anybody around. And it was quite disappointing, really, because a lot of the locals didn't really seem to know that the the tournament was on. Um, really? So even though they'd already, yeah, even though they'd hosted a couple of games already, uh, the general sort of lack of awareness within the host city it was it was quite bad. Um, but uh, once all the England fans descended, I think then they realised that there was a, a tournament on at last. <laughs> well, I mean, there is the potential, I believe, that uh, we could be going back there if I followed this through correctly. Yeah, that's right. So if we win against Cameroon on Sunday, then we will be back to La Havre for potentially either Norway or Australia. So that should be good. Well, it's a game that I have potentially put in my uh, diary because it's only a, what is it, a five and a half hour crossing to get across yeah. there from Portsmouth. Um, yeah. It's something I'm giving some, some severe consideration to. Um, but then you're back down to Nice and I guess you already knew what was to be expected down there for the, the Japan game. Were, were any Japanese fans around? Uh, yeah, there was a few, probably not as many as the as the Scots. Um, there was a couple of sumo wrestlers uh, walking around the town centre, which was quite interesting <laughs> to see. Right. Um, and they were at the stadium as well. Um, but yeah, they were all in really good spirits. The fans that we have come across so far have been, you know, have been excellent. 
really behind sort of the women's team and it was also really nice to see that the, the Scots and the England fans getting along as well for the for the first uh, group match that was really great yeah have there been any other sort of nations milling around that you've seen anything that out of the ordinary that you've seen um just tons of american fans to be honest um okay before yeah before the start of the tournament we we found out from fifa that they were bringing i think it was about thirty thousand fans um oh. to the tournament um obviously uh women's soccer is, is huge over there but yeah lot, lots of u.s fans that are all super confident that they're going to win the tournament oh what do we know about sort of cameroon fans do you think there'll be a few of those around in valenciennes I'm not too sure, to be honest. We've been told that the hotel some of the staff are staying in will be the same hotel as the Cameroon team. So it'll be interesting to see see them, see what they're like and if there are many fans fans over there. Um, yeah. But I'm not too sure, to be honest. But the games and the girls, the Lionesses themselves, we've, uh, we've progressed through. They, they've done really well, haven't they? Yeah, really, really pleased with how they've been doing. Um, they seem like a really sort of uh, a bunch that, you know, they're really together. They're really supportive of each other. You know, every time every time we've scored, the whole team off the bench are, are there celebrating. They always run over together and they celebrate as a team. Uh, there seems to be a lot of unity as well. Um, I think it's also great that the the players, similar to with the men, are, are given access to their you know friends and families either just before the match or just afterwards. So, you know, it, it feels like they're being given all the support that they need to to try and hopefully win this tournament. Oh, let's hope so. Tickets I did see on. Twitter and social media for the Cameroon game uh, are available and I believe you and the obviously the England Sporters Club are the place to go to. Yep uh, so as we've done with all the men's sort of away matches we're also now selling our allocation of tickets to the the Women's World Cup. We sold 1500 for each of the, the three group games and we're hoping to sort of match that for the Cameroon game. Obviously it's a, a short turnaround so we're not too sure whether we'll meet that but I think it's really important that we do do sell our own allocation of tickets, not just to help build our our membership base, but also, you know, we've then got a direct link with supporters and we can help them out with any queries they have rather than having to go direct to FIFA. Yeah. And Valenciennes, uh, should people be thinking about it, is it's only a short hop outside of Lille. So if you're going on the Eurostar or just head towards Paris, I guess halfway halfway journey between into France and between Paris, you'll, uh, you're on your way to Valenciennes. So there's, there's no, no excuse if you do want to go and you put off by the travelling. Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, tickets are only £12 as well. So, you know, compared to what we've seen in previous years in men's tournaments when they've been quite expensive, this has been you know, the perfect opportunity for people to pop out to France. Um, weather's going to be great on Sunday as well. So, yeah, it's definitely a good opportunity to to see a round of 16 match. And the website is fa.com. Yeah, I mean, if, if people want, we're obviously if England progress, um, we're hoping to sell, continue selling tickets via our website. But yeah, it's the fa.com forward slash tickets. They want to buy any for uh, the Cameroon match. Um, And we've also got the England versus Germany game, which is on sale as well. Um, That'll be the first time the Lionesses returned to Wembley since 2014. So that should be a good match as well. And that's a game in November, I believe, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Excellent. Lauren, thank you very much for joining us on the Three Lions podcast and for giving us a a flavour of what it's like out there in France. Um, Let's hope. Let's hope that your uh, your head keeps spinning and you're going backwards and forwards a few more times. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so I hope to see as many supporters out there as possible as, as England progress, fingers crossed.
Lovely. Thank you very much. Thanks to Lauren there. As we mentioned, Cameroon are up next. Just to bring you up to speed, Cameroon came through Group E, finishing as one of the best third-place teams behind the Netherlands and Canada. And it was only their last-minute winner against New Zealand that saw them through. On paper, should be a winnable game. But the Lionesses need to be more clinical and hold the fort at the back. A team with the firepower of the likes of the US, Germany or France could be devastating to us. But this is where the real hard work starts. Momentum and confidence is building. Phil Neville said he knew his teams for the group games. He shuffled his pack. Now it's time to play the strongest eleven. Steph Horton against Japan proved why she's one of the best in her position. A special word should go to Jill Scott as well, who, should she play against Cameroon, will become England's most capped player at a World Cup, passing Peter Shilton. And fully deserved, in my opinion. England are a better team with her in the middle. And with three goals in the tournament already, you wouldn't bet against Ellen White adding to that tally. If we get past Cameroon, and as Lauren mentioned, we'll face the winners of Norway or Australia. Equally tough opposition. Now from the Lionesses, we go to England's Young Lions, who have also been in action recently. You're probably aware of the Toulon Tournament, an annual competition held in southern France, and generally played by nations under 22 aged sides. In the past, England have been quite successful, and in fact, we were the defending champions having won it in 2018. Sadly, this year didn't go to plan as we were eliminated in the group stage. Playing our under-20s, we came bottom of our group, containing Japan, Portugal and Chile. Initially losing to Japan, despite taking the lead through Trevor Shaloba, brother of Nathaniel. Portugal were up next. Again, we took the lead, this time through Eddie Nketiah with the opener. Joe Willock got a consolation as we lost 3-2. And then in the final game, we lost out to Chile, where, would you believe it, taking a the lead again through Joe Willock before an injury time own goal saw us lose 2-1. Three times leading, three times we ended up on the losing side, which perhaps tells a story in itself. We did play one more game, a ninth place playoff game against Guatemala, which saw us again take the lead, but this time we added three more to it as we won 4-0. George Hurst with two, Eddie Nketiah and Dwight McNeil with the first half goals. Brazil went on to win the tournament, beating Japan on penalties. Then the European Under-21 Championships began on the 16th of June, hosted by Italy and San Marino in a tournament with an incentive that the group winners and best runner-up advance to the semi-finals and qualify for the 2020 Summer Olympics. I say an incentive, although that doesn't include us. Of course, we are ineligible, as we're not part of the International Olympic Committee. England's opening game saw them face France in Chisena on Tuesday the 18th of June. Hayley Boothroyd picked a starting eleven with plenty of experience, both Premier League and Championship, 
and the first half saw Dean Henderson save from the spot and both sides went in at half-time all square. The boys took the lead with a great individual goal from Phil Foden shortly after the break. However, a very, very rash challenge from Leicester's Hamza Chowdhury. Many saw red and France were awarded another penalty, which again they missed. However, the extra man made the difference as France pushed and equalised in the 89th minute. Then, with five added minutes, an unfortunate own goal from Wambasaka saw the French run out winners. England then faced Romania on Friday 21st, needing a victory and likewise another against Croatia on Monday the 24th. It didn't go to plan. Full-time result, England 2, Romania 4. Crazily, all six goals coming in the last 14 minutes. And with that, we were out. Damari Gray and Tammy Abraham with the England goals against Romania. On the face of it, a squad of players that we have with the amount of top flight football under their belts. This is going to go down as a disastrous tournament and indeed summer for the youngsters. This even before the Croatia game is played. Hayley Bouvroyd has been in charge since 2016. Formerly manager of the under-19s and 20s where incidentally he oversaw the Toulon victory last year that we mentioned. And shortly before the tournament was actually given a contract extension to 2021. I'm sure this tournament will have been viewed for some time as a high prime target. Sadly, I think the whole setup will be dissected once everyone gets back to St George's Park. So there we go. Thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed it. Once again, thank you very much to Lauren Gresty for her time. If you do make it over to France, why not drop into one of those England locations and say hello? As always, please subscribe at your podcast provider, leave a kind review, and all will be good in the world. You can find us on Twitter at Three Lions Podcast. Search also on Facebook and also at threelionspodcast.com. Don't forget that England Lionesses episode, episode number 52, is still available for you to listen to. So until the next time, au revoir and bonne chance to the Lionesses. (laughs) 